People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or worshiping with us for the very first time, whether you are worshiping here with us in our sanctuary or worshiping with us from the comfort of your home, we welcome you. It is a joy to be worshiping alongside you today. As a reminder, for those of you who have not been with us in person yet, uh, each of your worship leaders, myself and Alex, Pastor Alex, and our pastoral intern, Molly Ramsey, we will be removing our masks when we are leading a portion of worship, but then you will see us each put it back on uh, when our part is done in an effort to care for our community and for our congregation. And so we ask that you would keep your mask fully on, covering both your mouth and your nose for the entire time you're here at MPC today. Today, friends, we continue our journey into Scripture, exploring the unexpectedness of our God. God is always at work in unexpected circumstances, unexpected people, and often pushing the boundaries of what we've come to expect in this world. As we continue to journey as God's people through a very unexpected season, let us open our hearts more fully to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Let us worship God together. Please turn to your bulletin and let us call ourselves to worship in the presence of the living God. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations. Declare God's marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Let us worship God together. Friends, as we worship God this day, we recognize God's greatness and God's glory. We recognize God's grace and God's peace. Trusting in this grace and peace of God, let us confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin. Gracious God, each week when we gather to confess our sins, we also hear of your marvelous grace. We sing songs of proclaiming your amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And yet, too often we believe your grace might be too so sweet that we are undeserving of it. Too often we assume it's too good to be true or that it's meant for someone else. Forgive us, O oh God. Fill our hearts with the truth of your forgiving love. Remind us again of the good news of the gospel. Sing to us again of your promise that nothing we could ever do will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Empower us to go out into the world to share that same grace.
friends, hear the good news of God's love for us. Whether it is in a rush of wind or in the quiet whisper of the Spirit, God will say again and again, You are my beloved. Nothing you could ever do will separate you from my love. And so, friends, let us rest in the assurance of God's love and proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Though we will not be singing today during our worship service, let us listen and reflect on the words of the Gloria Patri as we welcome the gift of God's grace. Good morning, young friends and those who are young at heart. It is again a joy to be with you. I brought some rocks with me today. They're different sizes. They are different shapes. And I brought them because in our story today, there are some people who want to pick up rocks to hurt someone else to shame someone else. And I think part of the reason they wanted to do this is because they wanted to feel better about themselves. And they thought hurting someone else would help them feel better. And you know, it got me thinking. It got me thinking about times when you and I might feel better about ourselves, or might want to feel better about ourselves, and the kinds of things we might be inclined to do to make that happen. And I hope none of you are wandering around with rocks thinking you're going to throw them at somebody. But I do know sometimes we're all walking around carrying some rocks thinking about throwing them. And they might not actually be rocks, but they might be words, or they might be actions, things that we know could hurt somebody. And because we don't always feel great about ourselves, sometimes we rely a little too much on those rocks or those mean words, or those hurtful actions. And in our story today, Jesus is wonderful, as usual, because Jesus doesn't tell us that we're horrible people for having instincts like that. But he does remind us that those rocks aren't going to do anybody any good. 
And he wants us to put all of them down every single time. And so I think part of the challenge is when we are feeling angry or upset, especially at someone else, I think the challenge is to try to think about Jesus and take a breath. We're really good at our breath prayer, breathing spirit in, self out, and thinking about perhaps the rock we've been carrying and how Jesus might want us to put it down or put down that unkind word or that unkind action. And I want you to know that it's a far braver thing, far braver to tell someone or to tell God, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling lonely or I'm feeling hurt or scared. That's a far braver thing to tell God or someone you love than it is to pick up rock or to pick up those unkind words or actions. And so I hope in the week to come, as we encounter those emotions, which we no doubt will, that we remember like rocks in our hands, they are still things we can put down. Spirit in, self out. Let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you love us no matter what. But help us to put down our rocks and to love each other as you love us. Amen. As we prepare our hearts to hear God's word, let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 7, verse 53, through chapter 8, verse 11. Then each of them went home while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down 
and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they questioned him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on do not sin again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, on the surface, friends, this is another tale of God's grace. Grace extended to someone who seemed undeserving. A criminal, one who had sinned against God and God's law, and one who could easily have been punished for her sins. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We've heard this story a hundred times in books, in musicals, in movies, in stories of everyday life, in stories throughout scripture. In fact, I cannot read this text without thinking of dozens of other stories I know of that same amazing grace. But as I read this text again and again, sat with it, seeing the spotlight on this woman who is flung to the temple steps by the religious leaders of the day. I found myself feeling a need to shed a similar light on the ones who did the flinging, on the ones who had no need of that same grace, or so they thought. Now back up with me for just a moment, just a day earlier, because you see, the day before this trial took place in front of the temple, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they had been absolutely humiliated publicly. For one, the temple police had refused to carry out their order to have Jesus arrested. The venerable and well-regarded Nicodemus, one of their own, had scolded them in front of a crowd. To add insult to injury, a substantial portion of the public was already shifting their allegiance toward Jesus. And worst of all, at a time when the Pharisees were supposed to take center stage, Jesus seemed to be playing a startling and starring role in the Harvest Festival at the temple. 
So here they were, these religious leaders, dismissed, rejected, publicly humiliated. And it was more than they could bear. And so they went home, scheming, plotting, fuming. They hatch a plan. They are determined to catch Jesus in their well-laid trap, proving once and for all that this nobody from the back country of Nazareth either doesn't understand the law of Moses or worse, disregards it altogether, both of which would have been a serious charge and grounds for arrest, which is exactly what the religious leaders are hoping to achieve. And so pause with me for a moment and let's be honest about who it is that is actually on trial for these religious leaders. Who is actually on trial? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. This whole plot, this whole trap, this whole ruse is about catching Jesus. It's not about this poor woman who has been flung in front of the authorities. It's certainly not about her partner in this crime who is nowhere to be found but would have been subject to the same penalty. It is about Jesus. They're trying to trap Jesus. And so to what brutish level have these men fallen in shaming this woman, subjecting her to the possibility of death by stoning for the purpose of trapping Jesus? What do you say about this, Jesus? You must have an opinion. The law certainly has an opinion. What say you? And Jesus bent down. He began writing in the sand. We're not privy to what he wrote, but we do know the questions of the authorities kept coming, the accusations kept flying, the nostrils must have flared, the temples are pulsing. Jesus, for crying out loud, if you are such an authority, tell us. What do you have to say about this? Because we've got buckets of rocks, Jesus. They're ready to go. So say the word, and it's done. Jesus stood up from the ground long enough to hold up a mirror that they'd been too blind to see him carrying. Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And then Jesus bent down again, riding in the sand. And as Nancy Taylor puts it, then beginning with the elders, perhaps beginning with the older and wiser among them, those somewhat mellowed by age and experience, Softened by the wear of time and change, one by one, they turned and walked away. It's really easy in this text to focus our attention on the woman who is flung to the steps of the temple, only to receive the amazing grace of God which Jesus offers. Go on your way, sin no more. 
But the story of these others, these Pharisees, that's the story that looks a whole lot more like our story most of the time. Sure, we each may have stories of unbelievable, undeserved grace being offered by God or by others when we were least deserving, but most of the time, most of the time, we need the grace of God far more often than we'd care to admit. Most of the time, it's the Pharisee's story that looks a whole lot more like our own. Because their story is our story whenever we act out of rage and shame. Their story is our story when we are more interested in proving someone else wrong than we are in living as righteously, morally, ethically, and generously as we are humanly capable of living. Their story is our story whenever we take it upon ourselves to judge another prematurely or harshly or both. Their story is our story whenever we fill up a bucket of rocks whether they be words or actions meant to harm, and we call upon our neighbor to do the same thing. Their story is our story whenever we tear other people down or mock or shame other people just to get what we want. It is our story. Far, far too often it is our story, and my friends, my God, it is especially our story today. It is our story in the midst of a global pandemic whenever we become more concerned with our own comfort or our own opinion or our own well-being rather than considering what's best for our neighbor. It is our story in the midst of this divisive, hateful, political season when attacks and criticism and hateful rhetoric are being flung like rocks at one another from car windows as you speed by or in a Facebook post or a Facebook comment or liking a Facebook post that's meant to tear down or demonize or criticize or hurt someone, then that story, their story, is absolutely our story. Because these are moments when we forget what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and instead we pick up our bucket of rocks. And the world we live in, friends, this world will egg us on every possible time it gets the chance. This world fuels our righteous indignation. It ignites our desire to judge others and shame others in order to feel better about ourselves. It emboldens the dangerous darkness of our souls that would rather demonize one another and divide us from one another, us and them, the good, the bad, the guilty, the guilt-free, saints and sinners, and in truth, at the end of the day, we are all a little bit of both. Perhaps the gift of this text is not just the grace it offers but the mirror that it holds up to us time and time again.
reminding us that we all have rocks in our hands. And we are all capable of hurling those rocks in any direction that will help us feel better about ourselves. And then there's Jesus. Did you forget about him? He's still scribbling in the sand. Not condemning us. Not even scolding us, but not stooping to our sinful state either. Instead, Jesus is gently, generously, graciously reminding us who we are. Reminding us whose we are. And encouraging us put down the rocks. My beloved child, no, I I do not condone the sin of this woman, but neither do I condone the sin of your heart. Neither do I condone the vitriol and the anger and the judgment and the righteous indignation that has itself wrapped around your soul. Christian life is one that calls forth the best from you, not the worst. It is the one in which you are called to practice gentleness and discipline and humility and love. It is the one in which you are called to look inward far more often than you are called to look outward. It is not an easy road, my beloved Not by far. The path of least resistance will surely lead you back to the vitriol and the anger and the judgment and the rocks, but I can assure you, I can assure you that this road, my road, my road will lead you closer to the heart of the living God. My road, whether you like it or not, will soften your heart to the weight of the world and remind you to love when hate wants desperately to have the last word. Your journey on this road won't be perfect. No, not by a long shot, but my love will be. And my road will lead you back to the balm of grace more times than you can count. Because at the end of the day, it is grace that has brought you safe thus far. And it is grace that will lead you home. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Having heard the word proclaimed and remembering whose we are, 
Let us proclaim together what we believe using the words of a brief statement of faith. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Jesus, Jesus our Lord. Amen. My friends, for the next few minutes, we are going to sit in God's presence and take some time to reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed today. Because we cannot yet sing safely together and because we are a congregation worshiping both in this sanctuary and from the comfort of our homes, this is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in this place and in all the places where we are gathered today. It is a time set aside, a time to rest in the gift of God's Sabbath, a time to reflect on the goodness and grace of God that can be found in the most unexpected of places. So for the next few minutes, let us open our hearts and our minds to the gift of God's presence.
Friends, let us pray. Lord over order and chaos, creator of the universe, we give thanks to the one who bends over to write in the dust and who also straightens up to write with the substance of stars. We praise you for as cool weather approaches, we receive your gifts of a break from the heat and things to look forward to like bright colors, apples, and pumpkins. And on this day of gathering in your name, we are appreciative of the people who bring forth light and love that fill our days. For all these things and countless more, we sing songs of joys and praise to you, O God. Lord of law and mercy, like the woman presented before the crowd, you witness us before us with our vulnerabilities and at the same time hold tightly to the vision of who we are created to be. So we bring forth to you the worries and barriers we hold in our hearts. We continue to pray for the earth, for the wildfires and hurricanes that leave fellow human beings in danger. We pray for our country, for wise leadership from fellow citizens and government officials as we seek to heal the wounds of injustice and the effects of this pandemic. And we pray for one another in this community, for the people and problems we cannot hold by ourselves, but look to you to carry with us. Lord of life, spirit of all living things and the energy within them, we pray for your sustaining power in the days and weeks ahead. We look to your guidance and support as we leave this sacred space of your Sabbath, and we are assured by your grace, your amazing grace, which asks us to drop the rocks in our hands and instead live and the abundant life of your love. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, let us listen to the call of our Lord and put down the rocks we carry. Knowing that by grace we have come this far. And it is God's grace that will lead us home. As you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.